Welcome to the New Books Network. This is the Nordic Asia Podcast. Welcome to the Nordic Asia Podcast, a collaboration sharing expertise on Asia across the Nordic region. I'm Joanne Kwai, your host for today. I'm a PhD student at Kalsta University, Sweden, and also an affiliated PhD with the Nordic Institute of Asian Studies. Joining me today is Jun Liu, an associate professor in the Department of Communication at the University of Copenhagen, Denmark. His research covers political sociology and communication technologies, and he publishes in the fields of communication, sociology, political science, and computer science. His latest book, Shifting Dynamics of Contention in the Digital Age, that studies mobile communication and politics in China, was published by Oxford University Press in 2020. Jun, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, John, for the introduction. And especially, I should also thank you for inviting me to share some of my studies in this talk. Before we dive into your book, can you tell us a little bit about your background? What has led you to your current research interests? Sure. I mean, my background is communication studies, and I did my PhD studies in University of Copenhagen with the focus on the role of mobile communication or mobile technologies in political contention. And then after that, I spent、uh, half a years in the States in Stanford University. Where actually I benefit quite a lot and get a lot of inspiration about sociological study about social movements, contention politics,、uh, under the supervision of Professor Doc McAdam, one of the leading you could say figures in the field of political sociology and social movement. So there you could say I have a very dramatic or fundamental shift in my academic research, and since then I started to combine the knowledge from political sociology. And communication studies in order to understand political dynamic when people join protests or contention with、uh, communication technologies. And、uh, what has led you to write this book, "Shifting Dynamics of Contention in the Digital Age," that specifically studied mobile communication and politics in China? I think there are two fundamental reasons for me to start to think about this the book proposal. I think the first thing is I realize there is a lack of dialogue across different disciplines on the topic of technology and political contention. I think even though scholars are doing with the same topic to try to understand the role of technologies in political contention. But then, actually, when you look at the field, you can see as people from different disciplines like sociology, political science, communication, they are rarely engaged in a kind of reciprocal dialogue with each other. And especially, you could say, the study in the field of communication studies, they have a kind of less connection to the field of political sociology to have conversation with some conventional theories in political sociology on. Social movement. So that is one of the reason for me to try to bring the connection between these two topics. And the second thing is when I look at the field of communication study, you could probably say due to the intellectual separation of interpersonal and mass communication in the field of communication studies, scholars rarely compare the role of face-to-face communication versus. 
tech-mediated communication in people's everyday life or in the case of political contention. So there's this second gap is between face-to-face or interpersonal communication and mass communication in the field of communication studies. So I try to bring the two kind of subfields into the same dialogue in this case. So that's two driving motivations for me to write this book. What about China? What makes China's case more particular? And what are some of the empirical findings by studying China? The subtitle of this uh, monograph is about mobile communication and politics. So you could probably say, I think I definitely uh, dig into some kind of, you could say, context-specific political phenomenon in the case of China. But if you look at the general structure of the book, so the book actually dedicates half of its content, that's three chapters, to the specific case of China. But I think the rest three chapters, they are dedicated to the general discussion about uh, the conversation between communication study and political sociology, a comparative study of political contention with technology across three kind of continents, that's European Union, US, and China. So in this sense, I would say the book definitely have cases from China, but it also has a very ambition purpose, actually, to speak beyond the case of China. I think that's that's a kind of selling point. So I always say, for want me to address the selling point in this book, I would say the first thing is to advance a general theoretical framework for analyzing and comparing political movement. The second theoretical contribution is to use China as a specific case to identify some unique phenomenon under the Chinese context that drives the political mobilization, such as Guanxi, which is a specific kind of social network relations that plays to a certain degree, you could say, a fundamental role driving people into political movement, mobilization, or demobilization, as some studies shows. Still, even though I pick up cases from China, but I always try to look beyond the case of China to share a bigger, you could say, theoretical implication about how we could look beyond the case of China or how we could try to make a comparative study based on the insight we gain from the case of China. And for the listeners out there who hasn't read this book yet or is not familiar with the book yet, can you tell us a little bit what are the starting points of looking into the cases of China? What are the political contentious events going on over there and how are they using mobile communication technologies? One of the things that you could say drive me to think about a book actually is more related to my PhD dissertation. I took the topic of mobile communication and political participation as the topic of my thesis project when I was a graduate student in Xiamen University in the southeast China's Fujian province. Back to 2003, I think I tried to study this political social change introduced by mobile technologies in the Chinese societies. I read several interesting books about the, uh, you could say, the mobile technology. I think one of the books is, uh, I still remember, it's called Mobile Connection, The Cell Phone's Impact on Society by Professor Rich Ling, who actually later become one of my committee members, actually benefit a lot from his guidance. 
And so that's one of the reasons that I'm sort of feel interesting about the specific idea involving mobile technologies and politics. And then the, there is a second reason. My choice to this specific idea, it has its origin in a kind of unexpected role of mobile phones that has been exemplified in a protest in Xiamen in 2007. So that's one year after I graduated. So in that case, there's a protest against local government's decision to establish a petrochemical factory. And that protest was largely initiated through the tools of mobile phone text messaging. We were still talking about text messaging back to I think 15 years ago. So text messages were not only used to demonstrate public anger, but most interesting thing is that text messages also helped organize several gatherings of residents, totally over, I think, 20,000 to protest against the decision of this petrochemical kind of factory. So that actually rose my interest and uh, into wondering what political implications of the mobile technology would be. China has the world's largest and fastest growing mobile phone users. So that is one of another key reason, you could say contextualized reason in this case. And what about the conclusion? Like, Have you concluded that the mobile communication actually helps the Chinese participation in political activism through mobile technologies? Yeah, I think that is a super interesting question. That is one of the most controversial points across different disciplines when people talk about technology in, in political contention and in movement. I think especially in communication studies, because you could say we have an overarching and legitimate focus on media or media technology in most cases. So that's why the current scholarship in communication studies maintain a very strong, and that's something that I try to bring a critical mind because we, in some cases we have an exclusive preference on media technology or mobile technology in my specific case in political movement. And that actually comes with a general, you could say, disinterest in broader topics such as what happens when people go kind of offline in the sense of what happens when people have face-to-face conversation and other kind of, you could say, established knowledge of social movement. So that's why there's this kind of contention between communication study and other studies from other disciplines like political science and sociology because they are not necessarily focused on technology. So that's why they are not always considered technology playing a fundamental or decisive role in political movement. So that is quite different from communication studies. So going back to my case, so what I try to do, what I'm sort of arguing in the monograph is that actually technology does bring some change to the dynamic of contention politics like demonstration and protests. But there's also some aspect of the movement and contention politics, I think that's less influenced by technology. So this is something that we need to pay specific attention to. 
if we want to understand the role of technology, especially if we want to pinpoint the revolutionary role of technology, if there's any in this case, then actually we should not only study technology, but also something beyond technology. So in my case, I try to study unmediated or face-to-face communication in order to understand if all change that we observe in political contention has been bought by technology. And my answer is partially, you could say, partially that change is bought by technology. I think some part of contention that retains the same or similar mechanism in this case. I also like to ask you, because you mentioned the first case that caught your attention was back in 2007, and it's been more than a decade, and we've seen the evolution of a mobile technology, but also their research being done addressing the shrinking space for people's political participation in China or the diminishing freedom of speech. What do you see has been changed? in this like past decade? That's uh, definitely an interesting question for all of us who are interested in technology and politics in China to think about. Because most of my study now focus on mobile, but I'm also kind of starting to look beyond the case of China, more involved into comparative study. So I think actually what, I, I can only talk about what I observe. So I will be a bit hesitant to say that actually, uh, if we could say the participation decrease or increase, I think the, the question should rather, I think in which sense you could evaluate the decrease or increase of political participation in China. Another thing I think is extremely relevant when we think about the answer of this question I would say is how could we define the term participation in this case? So participation in this sense, uh, from my opinion, refers to not just, you could say, overt kind of contention event like protests or demonstration. It could also involve, for example, uh, James Cotter talk about those hidden transcripts, such as civil disobedience, such as satire, memes, those kind of things. So in this sense, you could say Chinese people or internet users, they are very creative in the sense that they have different ways of involving themselves into politics. So again, I think going back to the question, I think it really depends on how you are going to define political participation in this case. So are you only going to look at those, how to say, ice-catching moment of political contention where people actually took on the streets, or you are also going to consider those less visible moments? And your some of the latest research, they're studying the surveillance technology in China, and most specifically your recent paper, called Privacy Lost, Appropriating Surveillance Technology in China's Fight Against COVID-19 is quite interesting. Can you share with us what are some of the major findings there? Yes, 
I think that is another, I would say, interesting papers has a kind of ambition, you could say. Because I think in that paper, what I'm, what we try to do, because I would work together with a scholar from Lund University in this paper. So what we try to do is to propose a framework to understand some fundamental ideas and concept that underpin the policy and practices of technology governments during the pandemic in China but also beyond the pandemic and beyond the case of China. So in this case, technology governance refers to the governance of the development and use of technology in society. I think we take the case of the surveillance technology. Uh, in Chinese case, that's a, a kind of contact tracing app like this Jiankang Ma, the health code, or Jiankang Tongxing Ma, health QR code, or kind of Zhijong app, the tracking, tracing app in this case. So I think one of the reasons is, of course, because that becomes one of the top, hottest topics about the tech governments during the pandemic. So that not only happened in China, but also around the world. I think people have a lot of concerns about the use of surveillance technology. And that actually has triggered this kind of debate over the privacy versus protection. And especially in the case of China, what we can see is that a lot of kind of news coverage talking about China. We know that national and local authorities, they are working hard and working hand in hand with those tech companies to provide, for example, health tracking apps to tackle the pandemic. And then there's kind of this kind of concern saying that Chinese government has spent kind of years developing this technology that facilitate intrusive, massive surveillance, especially in during the pandemic. And then we argue in this paper that if you you have to understand some fundamental concept, if you want to understand the policy and practices of technology governments or the use of surveillance technology in China, especially some of its differences or you could say deviance from western standards or norms so in that paper actually we talk about three aspects through which the understanding of state technology and governance has been shaped in relation to specific social and historical contexts in china so the three aspects they are the first thing is China has a very high level of expectation and confidence in state intervention based on what we could call the guardian model of governments. So the guardian model of governments in this case is something unique in the case of China. So it has, you could say, it emphasizes the key to quality governments lies in the selection of morally competence rulers to act as guardians of society and the guardians should be endowed with power and authority that is necessary to make decisions on public issues. So in this case, the guardianship discourse, you could say, advocate or give rulers power in policy making. So this is one of the key, the first dimension. And the second thing is a cultural horizon or cultural understanding of technology. 
I think in the case of China, the meaning of technology, and when we talk about the meaning, is not coming from the functionist perspective to think about what we can use the technology for, but rather to think about, you could say, the vision when people talk about technology. So in this case, actually, technologies, they are always intertwined with national buildings and national rejuvenations in China. There's less critical attitude towards technology in this case. So that also plays a fundamental role when we look at, for example, I, I still remember, I think the People's Daily has a kind of commentary. Uh, the title actually is to provide powerful support from science and technology to win the battle against the pandemic. So there's a less critical mind about the negative kind of side of technology. That's the second dimension in the framework. And then the third dimension is these communitarian values in the Chinese society, or I think actually beyond the case of China, we could think about in the East Asian community that downplay individuals' right to privacy, but rather advocates a conception of common interest defined by the states. In this case, we argue that this framework consisting of the three dimensions it offers a much-needed knowledge on the relation between the state technology and the governments, which is significantly different from Western concept of potential personal data breaches and privacy risk in the face of an all-powerful state. This is a framework to understand, to have a contextual understanding of the cultural orientation, institutional performance that unpacked some kind of, how to say, exceptionalism from the Western perspective. Mm -hmm. That's a fascinating piece of research and definitely has the potential to be further developed. And we have taken much of your time, but before I let you go, would you please tell us uh, what are you currently working on? What are some of the latest research projects? Yes, thanks. So I'm currently working on several issues. Of course, in a general sense, I'm still interested in the topic on technology and contention. I'm still doing research about political participation in China, but also beyond the case of China. And I'm doing more from kind of computational methods and also comparative study perspective. So I think one of the you could say the latest study or the study that I will devote myself for the next few years. I'm happy to say that I, I have been granted a research leader project by the independent research from Denmark. The project actually is a comparative study about the use of technologies across European Union, United States, and China. So in that project, the question that I'm interested in is why people choose some but not other kind of technologies in and for political contention. So that is something very interesting. For example, you could say when we look at the case of the Arab Spring, that's one of the cases, then what we can see is that actually Egyptian and Tunisia they largely adopted Facebook and Twitter. So that's why the kind of Arab Spring has also been called it 
the Facebook revolution or the Twitter uprising or Twitter revolution, but but they actually depend less on WhatsApp, which is the most favored social tools in the Arab world. So why they choose some but not other technologies in and for political contention in specific context? So that will be a focus of the research leader project that I'm going to work on for the next four years together with scholars spanning across universities around the world. We have scholars from the States doing research about Black Lives Matter. Then we have sub-projects covering the uh, right-wing movements in the Europe and also the environmental movement in Europe. And we have sub-projects covering the labor movement in China, NGO, how they appropriate technologies in the case of China. And that would be a kind of very ambition and cross-continent comparative study on technology and political contention. So that's something that I'm very much look forward to in future. Yeah, so congratulations on getting the fund. And we really look forward to hearing the progress on this project. And Jun, so thank you so much again for joining us today. And to our listeners, Jun's book, Shifting Dynamics of Contention in the Digital Age, was published by Oxford University Press in 2020. You can also connect with him on Twitter at junliu uh, underscore UCPH. That's J-U-N-L-I-U underscore UCPH. And with me at Joanne Kwai, that's J-O-A-N-N-E-K-U-A-I. Thank you for listening to the Nordic Asia podcast, showcasing Nordic collaboration in studying Asia. You have been listening to the Nordic Asia podcast.